Chapter 18. Friday, June 28, 1776. Received information that a most horrid plot was on foot by the vile Tories of this place to assassinate His Excellency and the other general officers blow up the gunpowder magazine, spike the cannon, etc. Hope they will receive the punishment due such infamous wretches. That's a journal entry of Samuel B. Webb, Washington's aide-de-camp. Shortly after the clock struck ten on Friday morning, thousands of boots echoed against the cobblestones of Broadway. Every soldier in New York was marching up island to attend the hanging of Thomas Hickey, the man who almost assassinated General George Washington. Becky urged me to go. There's nothing like a good hanging, is there? She gave the face of the grandfather clock another swipe with the dust rag. Keep an eye on your sister, though. Little ones disappear in big crowds. What about Madame? I asked. Nothing to worry about there, eh? Becky pointed upstairs where Madame lay atop the coverlet on her bed, asleep. She had stayed muddy in strong wine since Lockton fled the city. The thought of a hanging turned my belly, but Colonel Reagan would be there. Perhaps he would provide an escort for Ruth and me direct from the gallows to the wharf. Go on, Becky said again. It'll be good for you to get some air. Fetch a bucket of water home with you, mind. I I wager Madame will wake with a thumping headache. Ruth and I found ourselves in a tide of people moving north. The wave spread out once it reached the commons, where the prison, the barracks, and a large sugar house stood. Beyond the hills to the north lay the African burial ground, and beyond that, the big pond called the Collect. This was the one spot in the city where 20,000 folk could gather. I could scarce credit the number, but it was on everyone's lips. Ruth watched the crowd with big eyes and shy smiles for strangers, but she did not release my hand and kept her doll baby clutched tight to her. I half expected to see vendors selling cinnamon water, boiled sweets and currant cakes, and a conjure man who would juggle two balls and a stool. There were none in sight, but the air of high spirits made it feel like a fair day. I took Ruth by the hand and led her around the backside of Bridewell Prison, toward the tea water pump, where there were other slaves and servants gathered. I nodded polite and murmured my good day to the old men we called grandfather and the others who were familiar. Ruth sat in the dust. I turned our bucket upside down, sat on it, pulled a length of string from my pocket, and wove it into a fanciful pattern around my fingers. Cratch crattle, Ruth said, clapping her hands. We lost ourselves in play, our fingers making candles, triangles, diamonds, and the manger. Suddenly there came a rough shout from the center of the commons. The crowd the crowd muttered, some folks craning their necks to see. Ruth giggled and held out her hands to me. She had made a complete mismatch, mishmash of the string and could not untangle her fingers from the knot. There came another shout. Then the drummers started beating their snares. The noise crackled like light, lightning. Game over, I said to Ruth, freeing her hands and pulling her to her feet. The crowd surrounding the commons had swelled to include the entire army and every soul in the city except for Madame and Becky. I scanned the rows of officers lined up behind the gallows looking for Colonel Reagan. I could pick out General General Washington astride his big gray horse at the center of the line. Next to him was the rather large figure of Colonel Knox and countless other officers I would not name. Colonel Reagan was not to be seen, but he could have been rose to the back. Blast! I should have realized they would be in formation, not scattered amongst the common folk. Another shouted order echoed off the stone front of the prison. Near one hundred 
per sorry, near 100 soldiers stepped out of the ranks and snapped to attention. The bayonets fixed to the ends of their long muskets flashed in the sun. The drummers continued beating, sweat trickling down their faces. Bet you never saw this out in the country, a familiar voice said in my ear. I whirled with a gasp. Curzon laughed at my astonishment. Miss me? he asked. What are you doing here? Where have you been? I asked, fighting to keep my voice low. Much as a foot. I nodded his head toward the gallows. So I see. I opened my mouth to ask the first of a thousand questions, but he quickly put a finger to his lips. Shh, he warned. Ruth put her arms in the air and grunted. She was tired of staring at the backsides of the people crowding around us. I shook my head. You're too big to pick up. No, she's not. Before I could protest, Curzon tossed his ridiculous hat at me and lifted Ruth up to a perch on his left shoulder. She squealed with delight and a little fear and hung onto his neck so tightly he looked to choke. I glanced at the red hat in my hands. A name was written on a scrap of fabric affixed to the crown. James. James? I wondered aloud. If he heard me, Curzon took no notice. His eyes raked the crowd, looking intently but giving no clue about what he saw. It. I cupped a hand to my mouth and whispered in his ear, when will they send for Ruth and me? Colonel Reagan promised to help. The world turns upside down every day. He kept his eyes straight ahead and one hand on Ruth's back to hold her steady. This time will come. You'll see. The drums beat faster. My heart sped up to match the rhythm. The drums stopped. Here he comes, someone called. A guard marched Hickey out of the prison and across the yard to the gallows, his uniform dirty but buttoned. He kept his eyes on the steps that led up to the platform. He did not look at the rope that awaited him. The crowd had recovered its voice and was screaming vile curses. Cabbages, rotten apples, and a dead cat were thrown in the direction of the traitor. He flinched as an egg sailed past his nose, but the men holding his elbows kept their backs straight and their boots marching forward. Hickey was halted in front of the captain of the guard. The captain said something that we couldn't hear. Then he pulled the sword from his scabbard and sliced the epaulets off Hickey's shoulders. He folded them and placed them in his pocket, then brought the sword down in a sweep across the front of Hickey's chest, neatly slicing off the buttons from the traitor's coat. The buttons fell one by one into the dust. Ruth stopped giggling. A preacher stepped out of the crowd and approached Hickey, a Bible in his hand. The captain nodded curtly at the preacher and said something else to Hickey, again, too low for us to hear. Hickey said nothing, but he had started to tremble. The captain spat on Hickey's boots, took one step back, and slid his sword home into the scabbard. The preacher murmured to Hickey and got no response, so took him by the hand and led him to the wooden stairs that led up to his fate. He's crying, I said. Good, Curzon said. When he got to the top of the steps, Hickey turned around so the hangman could bind his wrist behind him. The drummers started beating their snares again, louder than before. The aide on horseback next to General Washington spoke, and the general leaned forward to hear better. He was by far the tallest man in sight. He agreed with whatever the aide said and patted his horse's neck. The animal tossed his mane and pawed at the ground. The crowd had grown so loud that Ruth released Curzon's neck and covered her ears with her hands. She whimpered once. I held out my arms and she slid into them. I lowered her to the ground. She stood near on top of my shoes, grasped my apron, and stuck her thumb in her mouth. The hangman led Hickey to the center of the platform. He placed the knotted noose around Hickey's neck, tightened it, then helped him climb up to an upright barrel. The captain of the guard raised his hand. The drumming stopped. The crowd fell still. The captain of the guard unrolled a sheet of paper and read the charges in a loud voice. 
Thomas Hickey, you have been court-martialed and found guilty of the capital crimes of mutiny and sedition, of holding a treacherous correspondence with and receiving pay from the enemy for the most hard and detestable purposes, and you have been sentenced, sentenced to hang from the neck until dead. You are a disgrace to your country. He rolled the paper back up. May God have mercy on your soul. Without pronouncement, the hangman kicked the barrel away. The crowd gasped. I covered Ruth's eyes with my hands and closed my own.